This is the Social Pros Podcast, the weekly show for real people doing real work in social media. With your host, Jay Bear of Convince and Convert, and featuring Jeff Roars, Nick Cicero from Expian, and great guests from the world of social media and content marketing. Social Pros is sponsored by Exact Target, a Salesforce.com company, Expian, Janray, powering personalized marketing with customer profile management, and Cision. Ready to learn from the pros? Let's get to work. As the announcer said, ladies and gentlemen, it is in fact Social Pros, the podcast for real people doing real work in social media. I am a real person. I am Jay Bear from Convince and Convert, joined as usual by Jeffrey K. Roars, Vice President of All Things Awesomeness at Salesforce Marketing Cloud. Jeff, how are you today? Good. I like that title a lot better than my real one. (laughs) The the cards are being printed. Yeah, we're working on that. We're working on that. And our pal Nick Cicero live from New York City. Nick, what is going on? Good morning, Jay. It is getting cold in New York City, I will say. Yeah, there's a bit of the fall in the air here in Indiana as well. It is uh, it is time. I'm just hoping that we actually have a fall, that it isn't, you know, five degrees by Friday. Uh, yeah, exactly. They say, you know, that, that Farmer's Almanac, that big data in Farmer's Almanac is... Uh, just telling everybody here this. Yeah, run for the hills. We have another uh, person who who will be uh, beset by chilly weather pretty soon. Our friend Dave Murray, who's the manager of social media for Blue Cross Blue Shield in Michigan, is joining the Big Social Pros podcast today. Dave, thanks for being here. Oh, good morning, everyone. Thank you for having me. Are you handing out blankets to uh, to Blue Cross members? <laughs> no, I think we actually have pretty average fall crisp weather happening right now. Like you, I hope we do have a fall that doesn't go into polar vortex part two within a few days. But yeah, so far so good. Tell me a little bit about how social media is structured uh, at Blue Cross. I, I always find it interesting. We've had a couple of other healthcare professionals on the show, and it always seems like it's a little bit different than you might see in, in what would be a typical corporation. Yeah, yeah. We definitely live in a highly regulated uh, arena. Uh, for Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan specific, we're very fortunate to have leadership that recognizes the importance of social media channels as a communication bridge to our members and people who may just have questions about their health care insurance. As I'm sure you're aware, a health care reform is happening and it's causing a lot of questions and there's a lot of confusion out there and it's a difficult and crazy labyrinth to go through as a consumer. So we are positioned very strongly. We have a 12-person team Some of those are on point for content. Some of the team members are on point for uh, member services slash customer service. And some are on point for video production. And some are on point, like myself, to make sure everything is running as smooth as possible. So going back to leadership, they recognize the importance of this medium and provide us a lot of the elbow room to actually develop things, uh, be it anything from a fun social media campaign to the not so fun, but very important aspect of communicating with our members and helping them walk through the healthcare reform process. 
it sounds like part of your responsibilities are are overseeing a lot of content creation videos, et cetera. Is there a separate and parallel content marketing organization within BCBS Michigan or, or does that get lumped into your world as well? Yeah, that lumps into our world. We have regular content meetings. Uh, for context, we actually have two blogs. We have a Healthier Michigan, which is, just as it sounds, championing Michigan as a healthy state. And then we have Michigan Blues Perspectives, which is kind of like our CNN news beacon of uh, healthcare reform news, news around uh, Michigan as it relates to healthcare reform, technology, uh, member services. Uh, that's where a lot of our, hey, this is what you can do or how to content lives. And with those two blogs, uh, my team is responsible for creating the majority of the content. We also have an agency of record which helps us uh, with our business segments as it relates to those two blogs as well. And where possible, we try to get guest bloggers to provide their uh, in industry expertise. I think it's really interesting that a healthiermichigan.org, that, that blog about healthy lifestyles, etc., not only has a, a very robust content calendar, and it's an excellent, excellent blog, but it also has its own full complement of social channels and social outposts as well. So, so it seems to me that you're actually running parallel tracks, right? So you've got Facebook for BCBS and then Facebook for the blog and, and Twitter for BCBS and then Twitter for the blog. Um, how do you sort of keep those straight and, and how do you sort of bifurcate the editorial mission there? Yeah, thank you for the compliment on the blog. Yes, uh, it's a great question and it's a great challenge. It really comes back to what I call identifying our content bubbles. And this is just a way of organizing potential subjects that we should be talking about on those two separate channels. And the content bubbles are defined agnostic of the specific channels available. So we don't think about Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, etc. We think about what we should be talking about and what our members an audience have uh, pointed to or asked us to create content for. And as we identify these content bubbles, you're absolutely right. There is the Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan content bubble, and then there's the Healthier Michigan content bubble. And as you could probably guess, the Healthier Michigan content bubble is the easier one to identify and kind of the funner one to play with. The Blue Cross content bubble takes a little bit of thinking as far as content we really should be putting out there. It's very easy to talk about ourselves and say, look at all the great things we're doing, but we want to make sure within that we're communicating and helping our members as much as possible. So as we identify those content bubbles and we think about the subjects, the subjects themselves then dictate the channels. So we may have a healthcare reform 101 series and instead of it being a blog maybe it's a vignette of like six or seven different 30 second videos with a healthier Michigan we may have testimonies of people who have uh, championed their own healthy lifestyles and maybe that is a blog series or maybe that's a podcast so we let the content dictate the channel and we're on 19 different social channels and they're fairly split evenly between the Blue Cross and the Healthier Michigan. The content bubbles identify the, for lack of a better word, the theme or voice of those two uh, tracks. You mentioned there determining which topics to cover based on either member feedback or other 
uh, sources, what process do you go through to, to find those content topics? Is it, is it mining customer service inquiries? Is it listening to social media chatter? Are there, are there other uh, sorts of raw materials that you use to determine what to create content about? Yeah, we, the first thing we do is we listen, as you mentioned, social monitoring, there's a lot to listen to. And, you know, there's passion points in both those content bubbles I laid out. Health, living a healthy lifestyle that is a very passionate topic. And then healthcare reform is a very passionate topic. So we're able to monitor the social channels that exist and the hashtags that relate to our industry and identify themes that people are talking about that we feel we can help contribute to versus interrupt. And then we look to see what is not being said as it relates to our competitors and other related industries. And we start thinking about, you know what, maybe we can earn this voice with some strong content and be seen as the industry leader if we start helping our members along this certain path. And then, yes, uh, we are very integrated and connected with our member services teams, and they provide us inquiries or feedback or things that they're seeing as far as calls that are coming in. And, again, we also are monitoring member inquiries that hit our social channels. So if we're able to identify that certain inquiries kind of fall under a particular topic bucket, then we look at that and say, how can we answer these questions and create content around that? You know, just specifically around Michigan Blue's perspective, again, the healthcare reform, for the first time, people have to be, for lack of a better word, somewhat responsible for their healthcare. They actually have to know what it does, how it works, or what it doesn't do for them. So that is all about educating the members. So we make sure that when we have particular content that we hope can help some of our members with their questions, we create content, be it an infographic, again, a podcast or a blog series. Hey, David, this is Nick. I was having, I was wondering, when you guys are actually curating the content and then the topics that you're pulling in, do you guys have any type of regulations to kind of keep, uh, keep the content that you're creating within the guidelines, within certain type of regulations because you are healthcare, or is there any kind of difficulty in, in doing that and creating the type of content? Yeah, you know, depending upon the business segment, it, it, that, that can be either non-existent or very stringent. You know, with a Healthier Michigan, we try to make sure that we don't speak as a doctor or a physician. We, we have disclaimers stating that this should not replace any medical advice you receive from your doctor. And we avoid using the words like healthy. We say healthier. And there's disclaimers on the blog and our social channels that state that these are suggestions. Do not use this diabetic recipe as a substitute for your diabetic medicine. Make sure that uh, people who read that content are aware that we're just providing resources and suggestions. Then going to Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan, you know, talk about healthcare reform. You know, we're pretty open to be able to share what we know. The trick is that what we know can change overnight and that the rules can change depending upon the particular business segment. For example, Medicare has very strong regulations of what can be said, how it can be said, and where it can be said. So we have to abide by those guidelines and make sure that all our content 
goes through compliance and at the same time still honors the you know kind of the bandwidth of the social web that demands quick and organic and friendly content and then regarding member information PHI patient history information cannot be disclosed so we of course make sure that when we see member inquiries on our social channels that we take the conversation offline as soon as possible and we also have disclaimers on our social channels stating asking members not to disclose PHI and sometimes it does happen but very rarely fortunately but so those are some of the guidelines that we have to comply with how about inside of the uh, the content that you're sharing on your social channel like for example you know I know that you've shared some content from let's say everyday health and you're tweeting out links do you guys have to go through any type of process to get the those pieces of content approved or is it kind of a little bit more uh, loose in what you're curating yeah when when we do third-party content you know we try to keep it there's a what I call after the content bubble you kinda have to identify the mix of content between what I call personality curated and expertise content so you kinda have to find the mix with a healthier Michigan and actually with blues uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan uh, blogs and social channels we try to make sure that the majority of the content is created from us or industry experts speaking on behalf of our brand and when we do share curated content through the other social channels it's very much in line with what type of content we are already creating or it could be something that we could have written but someone else either already wrote, wrote it and it sounds perfect and it falls in our content bubbles and we're able to share it both the blogs had to go through legal and compliance in order for us to uh, create these uh, web properties and share content on them and so anything that kind of falls into that as long as it approved by the compliance guidelines as the web property we're able to share content and through our appropriate social channels as well. Uh, this is uh, Jeff just wanted to chime in and ask um, uh, kind of a, a, a few different kind of questions. Um, one that's um, perhaps coattailing off of Nick and what he was asking is what do the HIPAA regulations and other types of regulations that you're bound by do to your ability to amplify uh, content uh, from uh, consumers out in the marketplace? Uh, do you, you know, if they're already tweeting about experiences and things like that, do you have another layer of consideration before you go and, and retweet or uh, post things in social media that consumers have posted? Yeah, that's a great question. And you know, this may just be my experience and going back actually, JD, your first question about our infrastructure, and I think it's the way we're set up that, again, you know, we have leadership support. We have the infrastructure to have a robust team. When I mention how many people I have on my team, other blue programs or other competitors or similar industry professionals, their jaw drops and they would, they, I, I wish I had that many people or I even wish that many people existed in the same floor and we're also extremely integrated with our PR earned media team so while it kinda comes across like you know you, you wouldn't consider health insurance as a fun or sexy thing to be on social about it we really do have a lot of elbow room to create content that said 
it's really it's really about just protecting the privacy of our members. They certainly wouldn't feel comfortable, and we wouldn't feel comfortable as an organization talking about their personal medical history. And when it comes to certain health and, for lack of a better word, a better word, awareness about health issues, you know, a particular hot topic is autism. Now, we don't necessarily talk about it because we're not experts in it, and we try to avoid talking about anything or joining any conversation that we really don't have internal expertise to participate or again contribute contribute to that conversation versus just interrupting the conversation and saying, "Oh, hey, we understand. Come talk to us on our social channels." That kind of approach usually does not yield great benefit. Sure. And going back to the listening, I think that's important. We, um, my team, has weekly listening assignments. We listen to over 8,500 different things that fall into industry, competitor, detractors, uh, the political landscape, the state of Michigan, and we provide a weekly report to our leadership that covers all of those topics. And by doing that and sharing our listening assignments, we, we get a good sense of what we could be talking about, should be talking about, and maybe even better yet, avoiding certain conversations but still keeping tabs on it and letting leadership know that this is happening because it's pretty safe to assume eventually that topic may fall on our social channel from a member who has concerns about how it's affecting their um, day-to-day. Gotcha. Um, how has, and, and the answer here might be that you've not seen any change, but how has the social conversation um, or you know what you're involved in from a social conversation changed around uh, Obamacare uh, in the last, say, 18 months? Um, have you have you had to field questions, and 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 again, have they evolved at all uh, in your estimation? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, we again, kind of going back to my last answer, it's something we've watched, and we haven't really participated in that conversation. I do remember last year we tried to do some men on the street videos around that topic of healthcare reform. And you could immediately tell it was an uncomfortable topic that people either didn't want to talk to talk about, or if they did want to talk about it, they weren't really pleased about the subject. So we quickly recognized that's something we should just drop and see how we could just again continue to help our members. As far as the overall landscape, you know, last year's healthcare reform, uh, when it rolled out, it was a big storm that you could see far, far away. So the best thing you could do was build the best ship to navigate that storm and be able to be agile and answer questions quickly, monitor conversations across the media and social web, and create content that you're hoping will be received as helpful in that storm. Mm -hmm. This year, you know, right now it's kind of eerily quiet, and I think we're not going to have, as weird as it sounds, the luxury of seeing the storm coming. I think we're going to get many, many, many microburst storms, and that's going to cause us to be even more agile in not only dodging those storms, but again, helping our members how we can through our social channels. So I think the landscape is gradually changing more to an empowerment 
um, mm -hmm. letting people know what they have when they have health insurance and how they can use it. Great. My last question, um, in looking at a healthier Michigan, you guys are producing such great content. Are you syndicating uh, out to partners or third parties at all? Is that part of your strategy to get kind of the brand out there and awareness of just the, the base of knowledge uh, that you yeah. have? Yeah, not yet. And it's because we've wanted to build that hub as a valuable resource. And we are now getting inquiries from people who both, one, want to contribute um, to the blog and also provide content for the blog and getting people to ask, hey, is this something we can use on our social channels? So that's definitely part of the plan as I look into 2015. Dave, one of the things that I always find interesting in a situation like yours is how you report success up to your supportive leadership. You've got a lot of things going on, a lot of irons in the fire. Some of it's proactive social uh, across 19 different channels. Some of it's reactive customer care oriented uh, use of social listening, etc. What KPIs do you use to say, yeah, this is actually working. This is having a business impact. Yeah, definitely. You know, I think it's important to speak the language of your leadership. And again, while our leadership understands the vernacular of the social web, like tweeting and retweeting and commenting and Facebooking and all that good stuff, that doesn't really translate too well when you're trying to explain, as you put it, the business uh, objective of the social media components. So one of the things that we initially did when I started, um, I guess actually about two years ago, was that the entire goal was to increase brand awareness of our social channels. So with that, you're able to identify KPI, community count, of course, the increase of memberships across all our social channels, but also the participation percentage of our content across our social channels. And then using some of the uh, paid social uh, tactics, we were able to show not only how, based on the cost, the measure of success that it increased our community growth, but also how that tactic could essentially save the organization money or support the current and traditional marketing methods that were available. For example, we know it costs um, X amount of cents, less than 40 cents, to reach a thousand people on our on Facebook through the Facebook ads. So if we know that there's a direct mail campaign going out, we can come in and say, you know, we can help support this at less than 40 cents per a thousand people to see this Facebook ad. And then you're able to calculate a tangible ROI and that's language leadership immediately responds to. Saving the company money is pretty much, <laughs> if you roll out that banner, they you have their full attention. And then you can share, oh, by the way, this got retweeted 500 times too. And then looking at the community in itself, what we're doing right now is something that I'm kind of playing with. It's like the estimated value theory. And it states that anyone who's subscribed to any of our channels is either going to be a potential member or a current member. And if we can identify the financial value of those two and the difference between those two numbers, then you take that estimated value and you multiply it by the number of people on your community. And again, that's language, finance, and numbers and language that a leadership can 
relate to, appreciate. And I have to say, we always try to bring data to our leadership, showing them not only technically what we're doing, but the result of what's happening based off what we're doing. And we've rarely, if ever, have had leadership come to us saying, hey, what are you doing? So I, I feel we're, do we're, we're doing it all right. That's fantastic. And on the on the paid social side, because you're trying to amplify some other in-house initiatives, et cetera, are you doing a lot of Facebook custom audiences trying to show ads to people whose email addresses you already have and or Facebook retargeting that those kind of tactics? Yeah. Yeah, we are. And we have, when we, I first started, 91% of our Facebook audience was in Southeast Michigan, Detroit. And we're a statewide organization. And I wanted to make sure that the state knew that these resources were available for them. It wasn't just a Detroit company. We have offices in Lansing, Grand Rapids, Traverse City, even up in the UP. So it was very targeted growth. Organic growth superseded the paid uh, growth that we put into our Facebook um, ads at, that simply just asked people to like our page. And now I think I have to look at it, but the last I looked at, the Southeast Detroit percentage of the population of our Facebook page is now 14%, with the rest of the 100% making up the rest of the state of Michigan. And so, wow, again, so you went from, from 91 to 14? Yep. Wow, that's incredible. Yep. Yeah, um, and going back to your question about the whole ROI thing, then you're able to say again, you know, look, we've, we've targeted these demographics, these, ge these geography locations and at this price point. So, uh, again, always showing the result of the spend has been helpful for us. Among your panoply of social accounts, one that I really like quite a bit, partially just because I didn't expect it from an organization like yours is I think you've got a really effective Pinterest program, a great collection of pins and really well executed. The cover images are terrific. In fact, I just used it as an example in a presentation I gave uh, late last week when I was doing some research for the show. So uh, a fantastic job for there. Uh, there. Do you want to talk about that a little bit and, and how you see Pinterest uh, fitting into your world? Yeah, yeah, you know, you're right. Um, we get that comment a lot. Like, I wouldn't expect a health insurance company to be on Pinterest. And I think, you know, a lot of that is the core of our success and our overall strategy. And it's not about just being on these channels that are, for lack of a better word, hot right now or very trendy, or as they say, what is the new trend? It's, I feel we have the opportunity to be a very visual brand especially as it relates to the Healthier Michigan channel of content. And, you know, this is, I never thought my Bachelors of Fine Arts would ever come into play, but lo and behold, it has. And being visual for us is not only very important, I think, from an intention aspect, but also from, you know, just kind of a humanizing what, you know, stereotypically can be seen as a cold, artless, monolithic uh, industry. And so when we're able to kind of break that stereotype through those channels, we see uh, great success. And again, also it goes back to our content bubbles. We identified that within our content bubbles, we're able to create visual content that helps our members, especially as I'm sure you saw on the page, the recipe section. I mean, those just 
blow up and showing people the state of Michigan and helping. It's all about helping, really, through that content. So Pinterest is, yeah, it's definitely one of our top referral um, referral channels for a healthier Michigan. And we again, we just try to make sure that we're evoking an emotional response through our Pinterest page, regardless of the subject. Can you tell us a little bit about the the Michigan Kids Can, MI Kids Can hashtag and, and that program? It seems like a really effective cross-channel initiative. Yeah, absolutely. This is a fully integrated campaign, which falls under actually a subject that's under the Healthier Michigan content bubble of children's health and championing the, the cause to raise awareness that unfortunately right now the majority of our children are not very healthy but there are there is definitely great opportunity for our the children of our state to lead healthy and active lives and so it's not so much of a campaign as I would probably label it a cause it's a cause that we are very passionate about it's a cause our leadership is passionate about and it is fortunately something that can fall into social media very easily in the sense of a subject people can rally behind and a subject that we can create uh, great content around. So yes, it's fully integrated. We have advertising, our advertising team and the social media team and the PR team uh, closely collaborate on a lot of sports activations right now. As you know, the football season's on its way. So we rally around some great campaigns and looking into 2015, we've got some more campaigns lined up you know, educating people not only like how children could be healthy as far as what to eat, uh, physical activity, where they can go for healthy activities, but you know resources and locations that people may not realize that are right down the street for them. And I feel doing those types of uh, content visibility is something that really helps us as a brand be seen as a helpful resource and a leader. Uh, versus just trying to, again, going back to the whole conversation of brands interrupting conversations and actually trying to contribute to those. And we are doing our very best to try to contribute to that conversation of children's health. So we do have that hashtag. Uh, we've seen some great response. And I think sometimes some of the best comments that we get are people asking about the hashtag. Like, I saw this hashtag, like, and I'm curious what... What, what, what is it all about? And we can then point them to the resources uh, that are tied in with that campaign. So, yeah, we just kicked it off. Um, we're learning a lot already about what um, our audience wants to see, and we already have some plans in 2015 to grow this and continue to champion this cause. Well, you got to love that, hashtag creating earned word of mouth. That's uh, yeah, yeah, That'll work. We'll take it. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, certainly the audience for that kind of program is not kids themselves, right? It's it's parents who are existing members or potential members. Uh, but with the new healthcare reform in the U.S., you've got more and more individual policyholders who perhaps are not covered under their employer, et cetera, but are mandated or encouraged or, or required to uh, get a plan. And so you've got a lot more individual uh, plan holders. And that is, in some cases, a younger skewing cohort within uh, the insurance industry. To that end, are, are you active or thinking about being active in places that really do skew young, like Snapchat, Tumblr, you know, WhatsApp, eventually that that kind of circumstance? 
Yeah, you know, our PR team has done some great research in kind of that younger backslash millennial demographic, and we're fortunate to have millennials on our team who are perfect uh, soundboards for any ideas or tactics that, quite honestly, we've had to scrap because based on their feedback and the research that they've done, they wouldn't move forward very far. So, yeah, we're always looking, you know, looking back at the, the listening component, we're always monitoring and keeping our thumbs on those particular uh, younger demographics. I think I read in an article in the top 10 things that millennials will not spend money on. Unfortunately, health insurance was like number three. And going back to your point that it's not just the kids on here, the adults are on the social channels. And the main demographic of our social channels are females from the age 35 to 55 who, as you know, are the, the decision makers and the purchasers of the households. So if we can reach them, again, provide them helpful content. Do you have a young adult entering the workforce for the full time? Do you, do you know if they're covered? Here's some questions. You, you can have them ask their employer to make sure they have health insurance and the right health insurance. Uh, that's the audience that's really going to probably look at our content and then start that discussion about whether or not it's something they should uh, choose. Last thing I wanted to ask you is about the structure of the blues across the country. So your Blue Cross Blue Shield is a little bit of an unusual um, setup in that it's almost almost like a franchise organization, right? So Blue Cross Blue Shield Michigan has all Michigan, and then you've got Blue Cross Blue Shield of Illinois, which has Illinois and Ohio, et cetera, and, and they're separate companies. Um, do you within sort of the blues family have sort of a center of excellence where you get together and exchange ideas or, or do you just run purely, uh, on your own council and you just all sort of share an umbrella brand? Yeah, that's a great question too. Yeah. We, um, from the social media side, there is a social media group of the current leaders in all the blues plans who are on point for managing social media at whatever level and whatever aspect. And we meet monthly on a call to discuss various subjects that are top of mind or questions and share case studies. We also have a wiki that serves as a community portal for us to share best practices and again share articles and resources that are relevant to what's happening in our space. There is also the Blue Cross Blue Shield Association, which manages that mass communication. They're the ones that organize the calls, filter uh, content for all of us to share if we need to, answering questions, and they govern that management of all blue relationships across the multiple industries. So you have the social media, you have like VP and executive leadership, um, board meetings, you have earned media, PR, so they all have their individual touch points and uh, roundtable discussions. That's fantastic. More, more meetings for you to be a part of, which I'm sure is fantastic for you. <laughs> yeah, well, fortunately, sometimes the, the meetings concur or occur on the ride home, so that's okay. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Dave, great job. I love what, love, love what you're doing uh, at BCDS Michigan. Really, really effective program. I'm going to give you a second to uh, think about your answers to the two big questions that we ask every guest here on the show. And while you mull and ponder, I'm going to remind the folks at home that this podcast, this very podcast, Social Pros, that you're listening to is brought to you by the good people 
at Xbeyond. And I loved what you were saying about metrics being uh, appropriate or inappropriate for executives because I, me, Jay Bear, is uh, I'm doing a webinar with my friends at Xbeyond on November 11th called Strategies for Cross-Channel Measurement, all about how to pull metrics out of cross-channel social and then how to produce different reports for different levels of the organization. So what kind of metrics do you pull together to give to the C-suite? What kind of metrics do you pull together to give to a director or a VP? What kind of metrics do you pull together to give to somebody who's in the execution sort of operations level? How does that happen? I'm doing it with XBion on November 11th. Super excited about it. If you haven't RSVP'd for that webinar, really suggest that you make that happen. If you can't make it live, you know the drill, but we'll record it and send it to you. But you should do that right now. Or as soon as we're done here, uh, go to bit.ly slash think analytics. That's bit.ly slash think analytics, all lowercase. And thanks very much as always to Xbeon for sponsoring the show. Uh, also, another webinar, I'm not doing this one, but you're not going to want to miss it. It's from our friends at Formstack. Formstack is the premier uh, solution out there for creating and testing your own form. So instead of having to get IT involved, uh, folks like Dave, folks like you, folks like me uh, can create their own forms, test them, generate more leads, more conversions, etc. cetera. Uh, they're doing a fantastic webinar on October 28th. So you're only going to get one crack on this. I'm only going to tell it to you once. October 28th, a terrific webinar called Anatomy of a Perfect Landing Page. Uh, this is going to be with Doug Carr, somebody that uh, that Jeff knows well. He's from Indianapolis. And it is based on an infographic that Formstack put together on, same, Anatomy of a Perfect Landing Page. That infographic has been shared more than 7,000 times in social. So you've got some indication that it's pretty valuable. Tune in for that webinar. You're going to learn a lot. Probably every single person who listens to this show is involved in landing page creation at some level. You should spend 45 minutes of your time to get better at it. It's the Anatomy of a Perfect Landing Page webinar, October 28th with our friends from Formstack. You can register for that right now at bit.ly slash perfect page. That's bit.ly slash perfect page, all lowercase. Okay, Dave, are you ready for the two big questions? You know, I was like not only pondering my answer, but also what those two big questions were. I think I've misplaced the original email you sent me. quite all right. That's how we keep you on your toes. That's how we make That's sure it. that these questions are as spontaneous and interesting as they possibly can be. <laughs> there, may be a, there may be a recursive loop in our process. Uh, the, the first question for Dave Murray, manager of social media at Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan, is what one tip would you give people looking to become a social pro one tip help i think the secret ingredient to social media success is help if you aim to help your audience regardless of your tactic regardless of your content regardless of what channel you're on if you are aiming to help help your audience with their questions their problems you are going to win in this social space i think the golden rule of the social web that we overlook very easily is that, you know, in the reality, no one really cares about us or you. They do care, however, if you help them. So I believe aiming to help, you will be successful. Well said. Somebody should write a book about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm scribbling memoirs as, as we speak. Nice. Well done. Um, second and final question for Dave Murray. If you could do a Skype call with any living person, who would it be and why? That's a great, great question. 
You know, I would probably do a Skype call with a professional drummer who's now retired by the name of Bill Bruford. He was the drummer for Yes, drummer for King Crimson, Genesis, and several of his own jazz ensembles, Earthworks being one of them. And the reason why I do it is his approach to not only drumming, but just his profession is something that has been inspiring and kind of a guiding course as far as this whole social media thing is. He always, you know, he left Yes at the peak of their 1970s success and fame, and no one really understood why he did that, and he quickly said, I don't have any interest in playing the same 10 songs for 20 years. My well, you saw that coming. Growing my skills in the perf- yeah right. Saw so the interest in my skills and being a good drummer, and you know I kind of follow that same mantra. It, this social media space, I, I, and I don't know why, but it kind of has a lot of glittery gold dust with it, and I'm not too interested in that. I want to make sure again that the people who are paying me money to produce results in this space feel comfortable in their investment and also I feel it's our responsibility as professionals in this space to help educate others who have some real genuine questions you know they don't know what to do with all these channels or create content or let alone communicate with their audience we've never had to do that before so the way he approached um, his profession I would ask him questions on kind of just more of his uh, uh, what would be the lack of word probably his mentality or discipline I think is probably the best way to sum it up and I think it's that discipline that inspires me to uh, do the best thing I can when it comes to social media of the 140 some episodes of social pros that is the first prog rock drummer that has been name checked at that part of the show <laughs> i'm almost positive jeff jeff is a former dj and and nick is a former jazz trumpeter boys i just want to double check that that is the first prog rock drummer who has been answered uh, at that part of the show yes so as far as my knowledge so that's correct yes yes that is <laughs> fantastic. A, a, i love it though i love a, it I love a fantastic it. answer my favorite part is that our executive producer jess ostroff now gets to find some sort of youtube clip of bill to uh insert into the show notes which is going to make her day so that oh, that, awesome. that in and of itself is uh is is a worthy answer <laughs> well he has Maybe. some great quotes you know i think one of them is one of them from a book i read he's like understate overstate but avoid the two cardinal sins of drumming and that's either being predictable or boring and i think that can relate to just about any profession so there you go well done well done dave thanks very much uh would love for you to hang out for the next uh 10 minutes or so to to finish up the show if you've got to go totally understand uh i want to remind everybody let's see who we're going to go with first how about uh how about jeff uh we'll we'll, we'll go with you with the uh, social media number of the week first i want to tell everybody that speaking of jeff speaking of jeff this show is brought to you by the good people at salesforce marketing cloud uh salesforce marketing cloud has a very interesting free download this week for you called the path to one-to-one marketing success. Now, that's actually not what it's called. It's all about um, the path to social media customer service. It's eight key steps for social media customer service. Had the wrong headline. So this uh, free download 
is about the fact that all of us, and Dave certainly lives this day to day, hour to hour, uh, all of us now are moving away from our, our historical uh, tools and tactics for contacting companies, letter, fax, telephone, email, even. Uh, and now we're reaching out via Twitter and Facebook, as many people who listen to the show are involved in on a day to day basis. Um, there are ways to do that well, and there are ways to do that uh, manifestly less well. Uh, this new download from Salesforce Marketing Cloud gives you eight key steps that will help transform your customer's experience with your brand using the power of social media. So a great download for anybody involved with social media customer service, uh, reactive social media, etc. You should grab that right now at bit.ly slash transform service. That's bit.ly slash transform service, all lowercase. Thanks as always to Salesforce Marketing Cloud. And last but certainly not least, the Social Pros Podcast is brought to you by the good people at Cision, the leading provider of software services and tools to the public relations industry, recently merged with Vocus. So now they're a huge, enormous powerhouse. If you need to know who's talking about your company, great social listening. If you need to know the influencers in your industry, great influencer identification tools, etc. All kinds of things that you can do with Cision. They have a free download. I've told you about it before. You should grab it called Six Tips to Help Amplify Your Content. Jeff asked Dave about amplification earlier in the show. This is a great download, Six Tips to Help Amplify Your Content, different ways to get your content seen. So often we create great content and then it just sits there, right? Nobody ever looks at it or clicks on it. And that's a total incredible bummer. Let's not have that problem happen to you. Download right now the Cision free guide, six tips to help amplify your content. Do that right now at bit.ly slash amplify Cision. That's bit.ly slash amplify Cision, all lowercase. And Cision is spelled C-I-S-I-O-N. Okay, Jeff, are you ready for the social media number of the week? I am indeed, and this week's number comes from the latest uh, B2C content marketing research report from the Content Marketing Institute in partnership with Marketing Profs. They put these out annually. This has got the 2015 stamp on it, and uh, if you haven't read one of these reports, we'll have it linked in the blog. Highly, highly recommend going through it, whether you're uh, a pure social pro, whether you've got a foot in content marketing or what have you. Um, there's some very interesting stats, lots of numbers in this thing. Uh, for instance, only 23% of B2C marketers think that they're successful at tracking ROI investment uh, on their content marketing program. 69% um, say they're producing more content now than they did a year ago. Um, but the stat I wanted to focus on uh, actually goes to that idea of where in the organization uh, does B2C content marketing sit? Um, because on page 13 of the report, it shows how incredibly fragmented ownership of content marketing is. And at the top, you've got the number 27%, and that is the, uh, the, the highest number of respondents saying that the owner or the C-level owns content marketing in their organization. Next up, 19% of respondents say that product marketing owns it. And then at 13%, there's a tie between the social team or the social CRM team and PR and corporate communications. And what's interesting is in kind of the notes for this particular infographic, um, the Content Marketing Institute and marketing profs note that the bigger the organization, the more likely it is that content marketing is going to sit in product marketing. And the smaller the organization, the more likely it is going to sit at the owner or the C-level. Um, now, those four... Uh, groups that I mentioned aren't the only ones that are also owning it. So you have 10% coming in 
with no one or unsure or can't answer. Uh, 11% is other, uh, which was a catch-all category, and 7% uh, is demand gen marketing owns content marketing. So I thought this was really interesting, Jay and Nick, because of how incredibly fragmented ownership is, and I think it points to the fact we're still in a very evolutionary phase of both social and content marketing uh, because of the, the the, the place they sit in the organization varies greatly by both size and type of organization. Yeah, I mean, we see yeah, I that. That's absolutely true. We see that on this show every week, right? That that when we ask guests how they're structured, uh, it is very much all over the board. Some of it's based on company size and company industry, but it's still, uh, there's very little consistency in terms of reporting structure and, and team and things like that. I think mostly because you know, in the in the big scheme of things, these departments, social department, content department, uh, a, a combination of, of those as Dave has at, at Blue Cross, um, it's still early days in the in the you know, when you really sort of think about company time. Uh, and in most cases, this is the first structure. They haven't done multiple reorgs and said, let's put these guys over here and these guys over there. So it, it really is, hey, this felt the most appropriate when we started with this. And so that's kind of where we're at. Um, I think we'll start to see best practices codify around that structure more over time. And that's usually how things happen in business. But I also feel like because so much of social success and content success is culturally driven, we don't talk about that enough in my estimation. I know Dave's talked about it in his uh, blog, which is actually fantastic, by the way. I should have mentioned that earlier. You should be reading Dave Murray's blog. We'll make sure to link it up. Um, that that so much of this is is cultural that I actually sort of feel like putting social or content into the place where it feels most appropriate in your organization is actually better than saying this is the place that it should go in organizations that that giving it freedom to sort of um, operate in the way that that is most applicable for that particular company and, and how they do business is is probably a good thing rather than than trying to uh, say you know this is this is the best way yeah I would agree with that statement Jay. I, I, I think you know, and it, I don't even think it's really a content thing as more as um, just like a technological gap of how communication in whatever form can be distributed and shared and accepted by the audience you hope is going to pay attention to your content. And, you know, organizations like ours, the size of ours, the majority of them haven't had to think about communicating with it's been about marketing too and if we think about it a little bit communication is a different ball game and it certainly can integrate with marketing uh, directives but when you think about it I, you know I like your analogy of it being alive moving organic where should we be communicating versus where should we or versus assuming where we should be communicating those are that's cultural change that you know, large organizations, regarding regardless of their industry, simply can't do a 180 really quick without some collateral damage. So they yeah, have to think. I like that, that collateral that's damage. Great. We need a collateral damage podcast that just <laughs> that just tells those stories. That's, that that's would be. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's a great stat, uh, Jeff. Thank you. There's a lot of stuff in that report. We could we could live off the stats in that report for the next couple of months. Uh, maybe we'll maybe we'll do that. There's some fantastic stuff in there. Okay, Nick, are you ready for this week's Holy Social? Yes, I am. 
Uh, this week's Holy Social is from Reebok. So Reebok recently was introducing a new pair of sneakers to the market, and they decided to basically run the sneakers to people's offices all over New York City. Um, so reaching out to different folks on Twitter, they accepted a lot of tweets from different people, um, taking their sizes and their locations, and they drew out like a map and an area on a microsite, and you could actually tweet back and forth with them. And they would update you throughout the day and let you know if you are going to maybe get a delivery from somebody who is actually going to run a pair of sneakers in a backpack to you. Um, so this is a fun campaign, and they had different photos and tweets and Instagram videos coming from everywhere in the city. They had some uh, famous UFC fighters coming in and running and working out with people, and people actually would go and drop everything in the middle of the day and take a jog with some of these athletes that they had uh, participating. So it was really fun, and I was tweeting along with them, and I was able to get a pair of sneakers uh run to me right down at our office, which is really fun as well. So it was interesting, and they were kind of managing this um, with multiple teams, and I had the chance to speak with the, the head of Reebok and talk with him a little bit about this campaign. Uh, and he basically said that you know they had a couple different teams that were managing this project. Obviously, they had a team on the ground that was running all these sneakers and, and finding the locations, and then they had a team managing all the social channels that are taking in so many different requests from different people all over, um, and then a team trying to produce all the content around that as well. So it was really all hands-on effort to, to put on something like this. It's interesting, too, how often we're seeing that... Um, virtual plus actual mashup now, right? We've got a lot of social programs that are, that are being powered uh, by listening or real-time customer outreach, but then they're paid off uh, in three dimensions. This is a great example. Some of the things we've seen um, from KLM, Royal Dutch Airlines has done a lot of programs like that. Um, we had uh, on the show another airline example uh, from Canada a few months ago. Um, I, I love that kind of program where where you're sort of taking what happens on a screen and and making it real for people uh, in in three dimensions, but man, the logistics required to pull that off are so incredible. It's really really impressive. And you know, when you look at it, you're like, oh yeah, that's a great program. But when you start to unpack that and think about how many people are involved and the contingencies and the personnel and the planning, it's really really impressive. Yeah, it was um, definitely a great campaign. I mean, it was fun. They definitely made it really entertaining for people as well. So trying to pull all that off while still making it enjoyable, I think, was awesome. Yeah, only if we could do that with health insurance, huh? <laughs> you could just, yeah. like, come in and drive up with a van and throw them into the van. Yeah, somebody, somebody yeah. tweets, I, I feel like I got a cough coming on. You just show up with some paperwork. would be awesome. There you go right there. Let me help you Here's right some here. policy choices. Yeah. <laughs> it's not quite as sexy. What you need is you need like health insurance in a box. You need a you need a physical yeah. manif manifestation of that product. That's what you, that's what you need. You got to work exactly. on exactly. But no, it taps right into again. This was a Jamie has seen the article. It was out last week. Um, I think it was like ten psychological studies that you can relate to social media, and one of them was just we are just wired um, in general to overshare. We just love sharing what we do, how we do it, when we do it. So things like that, you know, they're tapping right into something that's genetically encoded in us. So, uh, yeah, that sounds fantastic. And again, I couldn't, I would not want to be on the managing side of that. I'd rather participate because, yeah, the logistics of that had, ooh, no fun. Well, the sneakers are comfy, <laughs> that's for sure. Excellent. That's the most important part. Dave, thanks again. You were fantastic. David Murray from Blue Cross Blue Shield, Michigan. Terrific guest. One of the best guests we've had 
uh, in the last couple of years. You were really fantastic. Excellent show. Guys, thank you as always. Next week on the Big Social Pros podcast, we're going to get our hoop on Jeremy McPeak, my old friend, uh, who is the uh, head of all things digital at the Phoenix Suns, will be our guest on Social Pros. Uh, So all your NBA fans, sports fans, uh, and just social media fans, because what uh, Jeremy and his team are doing is really, really impressive. So that's next week's show. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Social Pros podcast. Remember... The marketingpodcasts.com site launches soon. Go to marketingpodcast.com. Give me your email address and I'll shoot you a note when we launch. It's coming up soon. Until next week, I am Jay Bear. He is Jeff Roars and he is Nick Cicero. This has been Social Pros. Thanks for listening to Social Pros, the show for real people doing real work in social media. Please tell your friends about the show. Subscribe via iTunes or Stitcher and view all episodes at socialpros.com. Until next week, thanks to Cision, Janray, XPN, and ExactTarget, a Salesforce.com company.